Okay, so with that in mind, we are going to start a new series tonight for May uh, because it's the last month before summer. And we are going to be doing one called Up Close and Personal. So we're going to be talking about what it means to have a personal relationship with Jesus, what that looks like, how it happens, what the importance is, how it works, all of these different things. Uh, and so tonight, I don't know which way this goes. Tonight we're going to talk about a specific instance where he called the disciples. And just kind of look at that and look at how he calls us and how he cares about us and how it doesn't matter what you've done in your life, uh, but he still loves you. So I'm going to go to Luke chapter 5, verses 1 through 11. One day, as Jesus was preaching on the shore of the Sea of Galilee, great, great crowds pressed in on him to listen to the word of God. He noticed two empty boats on the water's edge, for the fishermen had left them and were washing their nets. Uh, stepping into one of the boats, Jesus asked Simon, its owner, to push it into the water. So he sat in the boat and taught the crowds from there. So basically what happens is the disciples are fishing, and that's what most many of them did. They started as fishermen. Uh, one of the things we don't really talk about much with the disciples is why they were fishermen, why they were tax collectors, why were they were this, why they were that. Uh, in Jewish culture, it was like a huge honor to become a rabbi. So most, if not everyone, of, of the males would try to go through that kind of school and try to memorize it, try to become a rabbi, try to become a teacher, try to become something in religion. And a lot of them would fail or not be able to do it or not be able to cut it, and so they would drop out and become fishermen, or they'd drop out and do something else, or they'd drop out and do whatever their parents did, etc. And so he talks to Simon, who is an outcast. He talks to Simon, who is a fisherman. He talks to Simon, who failed at other things, uh, who is young, but is nobody would look at him and be like, hey, you're a leader. But he saw immediately, he already knew, but he saw immediately, this is going to be, Simon became Peter, in case you didn't know that, spoiler alert. Uh, but he saw immediately who he was. He saw immediately his heart. He saw immediately what he could do. And that's how this starts. That's his whole introduction to the personal relationship. That's just all of this. Um, most of us, at one point or another, think we can't do it. It's like, uh, you'll hear your entire lives if you grow up in church, you should have a personal relationship with Jesus, you should be a disciple, you should be a Christian, you should be a witness, all of these different things. And sometimes it just stops there and it goes on. Sometimes people will try to explain it, but most of the time it's just kind of words that we hear in church. But this shows how it starts, is Jesus sees something in each of you. You may not see it. Now, sometimes you can, and that's awesome. If you're somebody who can kind of see your gifts and see your talents and see uh, like what you can accomplish, that's awesome. That's something that I cannot do. Uh, and I know that a lot of people can sometimes, even if they see it, they sell themselves short. But Jesus sees that. And so that's where all of this starts. Like having a personal relationship with Jesus starts with the fact that he already wants it. Um, we've talked about dating, we've talked about friendships, we've talked about all these other things. A lot of times in your life, um, other things stand in the way of your relationships. Other things like people uh, messing with cups weirdly with straws and stuff like that will get in the way of things. But, but with Jesus that doesn't happen because he already loves you no matter what you've done. Like I said, Simon... Uh, as a fisherman, was considered dirty and considered stupid and considered a failure and considered like crude and all of these different things. No rabbi, no Pharisee, no anybody else would have come up and been like, hey, you know, I I'm going to use your boat or I'm going to talk to you or whatever. They wouldn't have even talked to him. They would have just been like, whatever, and kind of looked away. And sometimes people treat us like that. Sometimes your friends treat you like that. Sometimes uh, you, you lose relationships because someone will just get tired of you or you think they get tired of you. You get tired of them. All of these things. But all of this, all of this starts with the fact that none of that is true of Jesus. Because he loves you as you are. One of the things that you hear sometimes in church, because it's very true, 
uh, is when Jesus died on the cross for us, he died on the cross for us before we were Christians. He wasn't like, I'm going to die for everybody that's already chosen me. He's like, I'm dying for everyone, every single person, people that don't, uh, haven't chosen me, people that may never choose me. I'm going to die for every single person because there is hope for them, because there is worth in them, because they have a chance at something better, because they can do things that they can't even imagine. And so when he goes to talk to Simon and say, hey, can I sit in your boat and teach to people watching, even to us, if we just read this, it's like, whatever, that's just a minor thing. But to Simon, that is life changing because this person, and he didn't know much about him yet, but this person who was healing and teaching and, and all this stuff was being said about, saw him. He saw him individually. He knew his name. He cared about him. And that started to make a difference. We go to the next verse. Uh, when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, now go out where it is deeper and let down your nets to catch some fish. Master, Simon replied, we worked hard all night, uh, all last night and didn't catch a thing. But if you say so, I'll let the nets down again. And this time their nets were so full of fish they began to tear. A shout for help brought their partners in the other boat, and soon both boats were filled with fish and on the verge of sinking. So this is kind of the first step, the 1A to a personal relationship with Jesus, uh, is fishing. You want to go fishing? Don't. I'm just joking. Don't do that. Unless you're in Fortnite and you can get like a slurp fish or something, which is stupid. But anyway, uh, fit, what he's doing is not teaching them how to fish. Now, he's telling them what to do to go fishing. He's telling them what to do to, to be successful in what they're doing. But that's not the point of it. He is telling them to do something that will help them, and then they do it. And that's the first step, is Jesus sees you. And that's kind of 1A. That's the thing that's already there. He knows your name. He knows your heart. He knows what you're going to do. He loves you anyway. He loves everything about you. He will always love you. The next thing is he calls out to you. Uh, for some people, it is it feels very direct, and it's like, uh, you feel this situation where something bad happens or something good happens. You're like, wow, I need something more or I want something more. Or I really like feel convicted to go to pray to Jesus. And sometimes it's just so uh, obvious and amazing that it's like, wow, I'm just going to go right now and pray or I'm going to talk to somebody. Sometimes it's a little bit of a, a path and it's a little bit more of a step-by-step -step thing where uh, little by little you start to see things that maybe you're missing from your life or you start to see things that maybe you wish you could do or wish you could feel or you start to see other people and you're like, wow, I wish I could help them. What can I do? Uh, I like what they have and how they go to church and what they like are, are experiencing. How can I experience that? And Jesus is always calling out to you. And then when you say, okay, I'll listen, that's step one. That is saying, okay, I'll listen. One of the things that makes Christianity hard, for new Christians especially, uh, is older Christians, like people that have been Christians a long time, um, sometimes hold you to the exact same standards that they hold themselves. Meaning it's like, well, I've been in this for 50, 60, 70 years. Like, I've been a Christian my whole life. I've done all this. This is how I live. This is what I do. This is what it looks like. And so you need to get here right now. And it's like, that's not how it works because you're learning, you're growing. Uh, and so that's what Jesus is showing. He's like, first he calls you and you say yes. And that's where it starts. And then little by little, that will change. Little by little, you'll care more. You don't go from saying yes to boom, you're Billy Graham or boom, you're a pastor or boom, you're a whatever. Uh, you become first like saying, okay, I want to learn more about this. I want to learn more about you. I want to give my life to you. And so you pray to him and say, Jesus, I'll listen to you. And that's exactly where it starts. Um, again, sometimes we make it too hard and we add all of these other things on top of it. And it's like, well, first, before you accept Jesus, you have to accept this and you have to accept this and you have to accept this and you have to know this and you have to say this and you have to prove that you can do this and you have to have been uh, not a bad person for this long or whatever. That's not how it works at all. 
once Jesus touches your heart and says, hey, will you listen to me? And you say, yes, that's where it starts. It doesn't matter what your life was like before. It doesn't matter what anybody else says. It doesn't matter what anybody else expects of you. He has started that by calling you. And so right here, it's the simple moment of him saying, hey, go and catch the fish in this way. And they had already tried all night. And so they easily could have been like, uh, yeah, we're real tired and we're done. We're going home. We've been out here all night. It's not going to work. Sorry, pal. Uh, but they didn't. They're like, ah, there's something about you. You're calling my name. And I feel that there's something different there. When Jesus talks to you, there's something different there. And you'll notice something different. You'll feel something different. One of the things I say a lot is, uh, no matter what happens to someone, people will notice the, the truth of Jesus. Like they'll recognize Jesus in someone's life, even if it doesn't change their life, even if it doesn't change who they are, even if they still treat you like garbage, they will see Jesus and that has an impact. It plants a seed. And so that's here, kind of seed planting and saying yes. Next part. When Simon Peter um, realized what had happened, he fell to his knees before Jesus and said, oh Lord, please leave me. I'm such a sinful man. For he was awestruck in the number of fish that had caught, that they had caught. Uh, as were the others with him. His partners, James and John, the sons of Zebedee, were also amazed. So it's not an accident that Peter, James, and John became kind of the leaders of the disciples. Uh, and Jesus went to them first because he saw something in them. And as I said, they were just fishermen. They were just normal people. And to a lot of people back then, they were less than normal people. Uh, they were worth nothing. Maybe you hear that a lot. Maybe people say you're not worth anything or you're not good enough or you're not living up to your uh, potential. Or you're not doing this or why don't you do that? And you're going to get that a lot. And it sucks, and it's hard, and sometimes that voice that's yelling at you is yourself. But we see that Jesus sees different. He didn't say, okay, first, Simon, James, John, first you have to give up this fishing right now. And you have to go over here, and you have to start going to church, and you have to really learn a bunch of stuff, and then I'm going to tell you how to be a Christian. He saw them right then. Now, I'm not saying that church isn't important because it is, and I'm not saying changing your life isn't important because that's the point. But I'm saying it started with him saying, hey, I love you. I see you. Now, will you do this? And they said yes. And then the next step, step two, uh, is Simon says, I've sinned. Like, I, I, I am a sinful person. Please leave me. leave me. Now, that's asking for repentance. And that's asking Jesus to forgive you. That is what it takes. That is kind of the heart of everything is saying, hey, I've messed up in my life. I've made bad decisions. I've sinned. I've not done everything right. Uh, I'm not worthy of you, Lord. All of these things. And so once Jesus calls out to you and you say, yes, Lord, I'm listening. Uh, please forgive me of my sins. That's kind of how a personal relationship starts. Now, again, there's a lot of room between there and when you're like a pastor or a missionary or whatever else. Like there's a lot of stuff and there's a lot of different things along the path that you may do. Um, Maybe you'll be a Sunday school teacher. Maybe you'll be in choir. Maybe you'll just go to church but have a Christian family. Maybe you'll, whatever, you'll, but whatever it is, it starts with saying, I need more. And I have messed up. And here's the thing, and later on in the Bible it says this. Every single person can say this. Every single person has sinned. There's not a single person, even if they act like they can't say it, there's not a single person who has not made a bad decision, who has not hurt someone, who has not screwed up, who has not sinned, because every single person has sinned, and yet Jesus still loves us. And so once we admit that and say, hey, I've sinned, he's not like, ha I got you. And other people are like, oh man, you've sinned, and I have, everybody has sinned, because we all suck from time to time. Like, we're all jerks, we all wake up on the wrong side of the bed, we all get selfish, we all do this. 
And so like starting the personal relationship with Jesus does not mean that, boom, immediately you're not doing that anymore. It means that you start to recognize it and realize it and work at it. And you start to grow. It's like if you start a sport. Like let's say that you decide to start baseball. And so you go to practice the very first day. Uh, let's Right after t-ball. So let's say like eighth grade baseball. And so you're starting, and you're like so excited, you're going to be a pitcher. And so you go out there, and it's the first time you've ever held a baseball, which is kind of weird. Why would you want to play baseball if you've never even touched one before? But you do, because you watch the Reds, and you're like, man, they are so bad, I bet I could do this. And so you go out, and you practice for baseball. And so you go to practice, and you throw the baseball, and it goes to about halfway to the home plate, because you've never thrown a baseball before, and apparently you've never done anything at all, and you have no muscles. And so uh, you try, and you fail. And so the next day you try harder because you do more practices and you throw around and uh, go around the horn and you batting practice and all these other things. I'm not going to go through baseball practice with you. And so little by little, you grow. But the first time you throw the pitch, you're not Pedro Martinez or Cy Young or anybody else, Nolan Ryan, nobody else that's great. You're not Greg Maddox. You're not whoever else you could think of that's a great pitcher. Uh, you have to work at it. And so you work at it, and you grow, and you grow your arm, and then eventually you've gotten to the point where you're in high school, and you're playing, and you're a little better, and you're playing a little more. And then you get to college, and you play a little more, and you get drafted by the Reds, and you're getting paid a lot of money to lose every game, and it's really awesome. And so you start throwing, and you get a strike, and all of these things happen because it all started with that first practice. Becoming a Christian does not mean that immediately you're perfect because you're not going to be. It means that you have recognized that you can be better and then you're going to work and practice and try to do that and help other people in that way with your example, with your love, with your heart, with your hope. And so to go through this so far before we go to the last thing, Jesus saw who Simon was and he loved him even as a fisherman, even as a sinner, even as a dirty guy, whatever it is, he loved him. And he saw him, and he called out to him, and Simon said yes. And then Simon did what he said and said, hey, I've sinned. I need help. And so Jesus accepted him. And so there we go to the last part. Uh, Jesus replied to Simon, don't be afraid. From now on, you'll be fishing for people. And as soon as they landed, they left everything and followed Jesus. So that's kind of the last part, is you give your life to Jesus. So first, he sees you. He already sees you. That step has always been true. From the second you were born actually before you were born, he saw you and he knew your name and he knew your heart and he loved you. No matter what you've done, no matter what you've said, no matter what other people think of you, he loves you completely. And then he calls out to you just from the beginning. And when you hear him, when you recognize him, when something happens in your heart and you feel that you need more, you feel that you need him, then you'll say, yes, I have sinned. And you say that to him and that starts it. That is the, what it means to become a Christian, that moment. It is not later on when suddenly you're teaching class or whatever. It's that moment where you've said, I need more. And then you start working at it. And then he says, hey, you're going to have some work to do. You're going to go and be fishers of men. You're going to go and be an example. You're going to go and be a disciple. And like I said, that looks different for everybody. But it starts with that dropping everything and following Jesus. That does not mean selling all your possessions. It doesn't mean giving up video games. It doesn't mean any of that. What it means is you rearrange your life to where Jesus is number one. And everything else goes underneath it. It doesn't mean all that other stuff fails or goes away. It means that he is number one. And so you work that stuff around him. And then you, as the more you do that, the more you talk to him, the more you grow with him, the more you will grow, period. The more you will realize that you are loved. The more you will realize that you can do more. The more you will realize that you have an impact. This series is going to be about that. It's going to be about the whole process. 
But it starts with this. It starts with the fact that every single person in the history of the world, every single person, regardless of where they're born, regardless of what they look like, regardless of what they think, they have this chance. And Jesus already loves them. So we can't look at people and say, well, they don't deserve to be a Christian, because that's true of every single person. And yet, because of that, we all have this worth. We all have this value. We are all enough. And so he calls us all. And so every single person has this chance, has this hope, has this love, has this Savior. And then when you feel that connection, you feel that conviction, and you say, Jesus, just help me to do better. Help me to get past my sin. Help me to grow. Help me to be different. Help me to change. It starts that process. So you want to have a standard to where you're trying to do better, but you cannot be like, man, I've messed up and I can't be a Christian anymore. Because you're going to. Because even after you've been a Christian, like you're still going to mess up because you're still a person. And as I've said a hundred times to you, and I'll probably say a hundred more, you can look at that from the aspect of, well, I'm going to mess up so I can do whatever I want and then I'll worry about forgiveness later. And some people do that. But the right way to do it, the best way to do it, the best way for your life, the best way for him is to look at it and be like, okay, I'm going to mess up. So I need to give myself some grace. And when I mess up, I need to learn from that and learn from how and learn from why. And Simon is such a good example because he became a Christian here and he became a disciple right away. But he messed up a lot after this. And even after he messed up, he would learn and he would grow and then he'd mess up again. And it wasn't that he was trying to mess up and it wasn't that he wasn't trying his best because he was, but he still wasn't perfect. And as he went, he became this amazing force in the church, this amazing leader, this amazing person that all started here. He didn't start here and be like, oh, I'm going to start churches now. He started here and then started trying. So whatever your life is going to be, it starts with that decision. It starts with that building of the relationship. And so for the rest of this series, we're going to talk about what that looks like and why it matters and how you can do it and all of these different things. But it all starts with understanding that Jesus loves you right now. No matter what you've done, no matter who you are, he loves you right now. And so all you have to do is accept that. And then that starts your life. And that's all I got.